Hello and welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. On this series, we explore the opportunities and challenges facing the higher education business office. I'm Brian Dixon, Director of Student Financial Services and Educational Programs at Nakubo. And on this episode, we're going to take a little bit of a detour and give you all an update on the latest and greatest from our nation's capital of what we're monitoring here at Nakubo. Seems to be a lot cooking here in Washington, but the are the floodgates opening immediately? Is this a hurry up and wait type situation? We're going to find out in this episode. And who is the we? My fantastic colleagues here at Nakubo, Liz Clark, our Vice President of Policy and Research, and Ashley Jackson, our Director of Government Affairs, who is making her Nakubo in brief debut. Great that you could join us, Ashley. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> and Liz, you get to be on the other side of the mic, if you will, for this episode. So this is great. I'm going to enjoy this one and uh, excited that our listeners get to meet Ashley as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Glad to have you you both here. And uh, let's jump right in. And Liz, I'm going to start with you, if you don't mind. Sure. The debt ceiling is really dominating the news these days, and I know it can be a little confusing for folks. Um, let's kind of set the tone here. What, what What is the debt ceiling? What should we know about what's, go, what's kind of going on with all of this? Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, the uh, the debt ceiling debate is certainly uh, sucking all the air out of the room, I guess, is, uh, is what I can say. I know everyone is seeing headlines on a day daily basis about the negotiations happening between the White House and congressional Republicans, and uh, not much else is happening in Washington because of this debt ceiling debate. There's certainly uh, no shortage of other issues that we are hoping Congress will address and that many others are hoping to see addressed in, on Capitol Hill and in Congress. But uh, lawmakers have been given a deadline by Treasury Secretary Yellen of June 1st, uh, where uh, she has written to Congress and said that they must lift the federal debt ceiling by June 1st or uh, Treasury may default. The U.S. may default on the debts that are owed. In general, I have been watching this debate and I believe that what we have is a big game of chicken. The lawmakers in Washington are, are really playing a game of brinksmanship. I very strongly believe that we're going to see lawmakers come together and lift the federal debt ceiling. Uh, you know, back in 2012, this this circumstance was referred to as the fiscal cliff, and we're seeing a lot of the same language about the, the threat of economic catastrophe. I know that despite what everyone thinks about Washington and about the gridlock that we have here, that this threat is real, but I, I really do believe our politicians are going to come to their senses about the debt ceiling and address the situation. But I guess I will add that being said, we have shared some advice for college and university business officers. We think this is a good time for institutions to review their treasury and investment policies, to examine your debt and investment portfolios, and to understand your campus reserve policies. So there are, if you are very concerned and, and you don't see this as a game of brinkmanship and, and believe that we are actually going to 
enter a default situation. Uh, we do, we have shared recently some advice for you that we'll put in the show notes on uh, what you should be doing. I have been referring to it as good treasury hygiene. <laughs> I like that. Liz, just uh, if I could, what, what are the sticking points? What are, what are they negotiating? Uh, as many people know, we have a divided Congress right now. President Biden is in the White House and uh, has the authority to veto uh, legislation that comes his way. But we have a Republican House and a Democrat-led Senate, uh, although both majorities are rather slim in both chambers. And Republicans are really trying to use the advantage of having this majority in the House of Representatives to try to uh, bring some more fiscal restraint to the federal government. So uh, what they are hoping to do, number one, is to limit federal spending through the federal budget. Uh, lawmakers this year are going to have to work on a fiscal year 23 budget. This includes appropriations for everything from federal financial aid programs like the Pell Grant or work study to research agency budgets, uh, budgets that fund the competitive research grants that your faculty and staff or faculty and staff bring back to campus with the NSF, NIH, Department of Defense, and, and so on and so forth. And they really want to limit what might be available in the FY23 budget and keep federal spending to FY22 levels. Most of our business officers know that that is really hard to do, especially with the inflationary pressures we've been seeing in the last couple of years. Uh, Republican lawmakers would also like to rescind some of the tax provisions that were a part of the Inflation Reduction Act. We've covered those issues to some extent at Nakubo, such as uh, the expansion of the 179D provision or other energy efficiency tax credits that are being made available that colleges and universities can take advantage of. Republican lawmakers in the House would like to rescind those provisions, and uh, they would like to also see reforms to a number of other federal agencies and federal programs, including Medicaid, the SNAP program, and other areas. So what's happening right now is uh, congressional Republicans, particularly in the House, are using this debt debate to try to limit where Congress might go with spending not only this year, but spending that was approved in the previous Democratic-led Congress. Yikes. Yikes is right. So I guess my follow-up to yikes is, and you kind of hinted at this, uh, Liz, this sounds like this could have some, some, not just the here and now, but I mean, we're thinking about, you know, what does this mean for you know the rest of kind of a legislative agenda? What should we expect from the Hill even after this? I mean, it sounds like this this could have some long range consequences here. There are a number of issues that are going to tie up Washington. Um, we are uh, just about to hear a number of pronouncements from uh, other branches of the federal government, and uh, that's going to steal some headlines. We also, in Congress, have a couple major pieces of legislation that lawmakers, we believe, will be intent on passing a farm bill reauthorization, a FAA reauthorization, and that will suck all the air out of the room even further. Uh, I don't see a lot of room for other legislation to move in this environment. Great, Liz. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> always, uh, you know, kind of a mix of news there, but appreciate appreciate your, your analysis. Uh, I'm actually going to turn to Ashley at this point. Ashley, we're 
We're also waiting uh, for a bit of news from the United States Supreme Court. Uh, can you tell us what's going on there and what it could mean for higher ed? And definitely, definitely. So I'll start here with there's two things, but I'll start with uh, the student debt forgiveness because that's out of that's at the top of my mind. Um, and I'll tell you about that in just a second. Um, but there's those two legal challenges to the Biden student debt uh, forgiveness program. Um, and the arguments really there are that it lacks the authority to forgive the debt. Uh, this type of forgiveness can cause financial harm to uh, states and state authorized loan collectors. And also, and I think this is a major sticking point for folks, is that certain borrowers are excluded from the debt forgiveness. And so where we are now, those arguments were heard uh, in February, and we are now waiting on the Supreme Court's decision, which is expected uh, at the end of uh, June or early July. Um, but we've all seen the news uh, with the contention around this issue from many, many stakeholders, uh, including on the congressional front. And with that, well, just yesterday, the House voted to pass a resolution uh, seeking to block uh, the forgiveness program and end any pandemic-related uh, federal student uh, loan payment pauses. And so in my opinion, this really is no longer, if it if the rhetoric makes it seem like it's a partisan issue, it's really not. Because uh, as, as we saw yesterday, uh, when the House passed it, two Democrats voted to support the bill as well. Uh, the resolution, I'm not sure when that will be taken up uh, in the Senate, but in my opinion, it could go through, especially uh, because one of a number of senators have already signed on as co-sponsors. And second, not all Democrats are really supportive uh, of the president's debt relief plan and have also expressed those concerns uh, throughout the debate. Um, so now we know uh, that the president has ve vehemently said that he will veto this resolution if it's passed by both the House and the Senate. And so that's really where we are now. Um, and so. What happens if this after the Supreme Court decision comes down, if they rule against the loan forgiveness, uh, payments will resume uh, 60 days after that decision. Uh, if the case is not settled, then payments will resume at the end of August. So I think the, the lesson here is folks should be ready for student loan payments to resume independent of, of forgiveness. Yes, <laughs> they should be ready either way. Um, but the issue for institutions here. Uh, will be how this decision affects the cost of college in the future, giving rise to certain rhetoric on the value of higher education. I really think once we see the Supreme Court decision come out, we're going to see a lot of attention on higher education and colleges and universities. There will be a, a significant debate over the cost of college uh, or ongoing an amplified debate over the cost of college. And uh, we will see more fuel uh, going to the conversation about the value of a college degree. I completely agree uh, with what Ashley shared there. Ashley, uh, anything else from the high court? Uh, the other issue is the affirmative action policies and admission practices issue, which we also expect a decision on that. Uh, here at the end of June as well. And this is a very, it's interesting because this issue has come up twice uh, before in 2003 and 2016 before the Supreme Court. And they both ruled in favor, both times they, they ruled in favor of using uh, these types of admission policies to really ensure that 
there's a more diverse institution creating a student body. And then, of course, those folks going out uh, into the world to be effective American citizens is the idea uh, there. Um, so we're we're waiting on that decision. It should come out again in June. Uh, so there's a lot going on uh, at the Supreme Court with heavy decisions that have to be made. And if the Supreme Court does uh, rule that it is not legal to use race conscious admission policies or affirmative action admission policies it, because it violates the Civil Rights Act of 1964, uh, institu- institutions will really need to start to take a closer look at their admissions practice and policies and update those uh, to, to uh, reflect the new laws. Great. Thank you. Uh, so there's a lot uh, going on judicially and legislatively uh, that could impact your institutions. And uh, here's the thing I always say when I'm giving a talk, and because I came from a d- uh, different industry, transportation, also healthcare, education is one of the most regulated in the sector that I've ever seen really outside of healthcare issues, but they're like neck and neck there. And so with that, there's a lot keeping us up at night on the Department of Ed releasing a number of proposed regulations over the past few months. So I'll flip it to Brian for you to get into that. Yeah, yeah, really. There is a lot. Uh, regulations, regulations, regulations. And I think this also ties to what Liz was saying earlier, right, about um, not probably going to see a lot of, of Hill activity. So I think um, the administration is looking to um, uh, inject change where they can. And, and this is one of those spaces. Uh, and, and to your point, Ashley, yeah, the, the department has really, they have a pretty aggressive agenda to revise a slew of, of federal regulations right now. And it's a bit of a long, drawn out process, but it's great because it provides plenty of opportunities for the public and frankly, associations like Nakubo to weigh to weigh in. So some of the areas they're looking to address later this year are kind of how higher education institutions handle and manage Title IV federal student aid funds, right? So federal student aid. And schools have to kind of receive all of this money and process the federal aid. And as, as you can imagine, the government rightly uh, has an interest in making sure that this is done properly so that you know students receive all the aid dollars that they're eligible to receive and that there's no fraud or abuse there. Uh, so a ton of regulations, but it, it, it makes sense. And and we're also kind of anticipating some activity on the rules surrounding how schools return some of those federal aid dollars back to the Department of Education when, say, a student doesn't complete a semester and they were kind of given financial aid with the expectation that they would complete that semester. So that's a lot of, you know, complex calculations and rules there, too, and how those those dollars go back uh, to the federal government. And one final area that we're keeping an eye on is how the Department of Education uh, treats the companies, businesses that uh, colleges and universities may partner with to uh, to assist them in kind of the various functions that are related to all of those Title IV federal aid uh, dollars. And while those companies certainly help institutions, the government wants to make sure that all those companies are legit, right, that they're playing by the rules. The role that these companies sometimes play are proxies for the schools. So there's a desire there to make sure that everyone who's involved with these federal dollars and functions related to the money are doing the right thing, doing everything right. So those are just really a few of the areas that we're keeping an eye on as they start this process very soon. There's a lot more to it. Um, we could really go into uh, a, a crazy amount of length there. But we're also reviewing some stuff that just came out from the department, too. They've proposed some 
some breaks. So this is kind of later in the process, right? And they're looking at what they call financial responsibility. That's measuring the financial health of certain institutions. And then some other rules that look at programs, that look at majors that students are studying and making sure that those are delivering what they promise and not leaving students with a high amount of debt and incomes that weren't quite what the schools promoted. So we're kind of digging through all of those. We're waiting for the other ones that I mentioned earlier. Um, so the best place to really kind of check up on all this would be our website, because like I said, we could really go into a crazy, crazy amount of detail there. I like how you cast all that, because I, I think sometimes we go deep into the tactical implementation issues related to the new regs uh, or policies set forth by the department. But it's also important, as you just reminded listeners, to understand that the department is really trying to look for and demonstrate public accountability in these programs. And that's what they're after. Uh, I, I say that, though, also wanting to point back to what I said about public rhetoric and general sentiment about higher education value and college costs. We have uh, these two major issues that Ashley discussed, the the, the question of the use of affirmative action in admissions decisions and the question of whether student, President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan will, will continue to move forward or not. And, uh, we're going to have a public feeling some kind of way about colleges, universities, and higher education. And that's going to have real implications for the rulemaking and policy setting processes that the department is embarking on. There are a lot of consumer and student advocates who have a lot of influence over the rulemaking process and in the rulemaking and policymaking process. We have a lot of other stakeholders who will be at the table. So it's, it's going to be a challenging environment over the next few months to try to work as advocates to strike the right balance between helping the department determine how to protect the public interest, uh, while at the same time crafting rules that are tactical and practical and, and frankly, doable on the ground uh, at colleges and universities. Absolutely. And, and that's to that, you, you were talking about the stakeholders, and that's part of that public involvement. I mean, they have all kinds of folks at the table as they kind of work through these rules. And uh, it's really quite a process, but... Um, they also involve folks like us and, and various functions within a college or university. So hopefully, right, uh, the department, as they have the, all these different voices around the table, um, can thread that needle because it's a tough needle to thread. But you're absolutely right, Liz. Um, we are higher education um, under the microscope uh, more than ever, right? So I was actually going to um, bring Ashley back in here because uh, I feel like the three of us have been sharing... Um, it's, I don't want to say less than great news, but it's certainly been a lot to think about, at least. Um, Ashley, are there items that you're monitoring here in Washington that you're optimistic about? Maybe some good news, promising news? Yes, definitely some good news. So there's been several uh, pieces of legislation introduced here over the past couple of months uh, that are very promising uh, and really important to the sector. For example, uh, the Charitable Act uh, will restore and expand the charitable deduction for non-itemizing taxpayers. Um, there's legislation that uh, will repeal the taxability of Pell Grants and eliminate an interaction in which the Pell Grant recipients uh, may be unable to claim the full value of that American Opportunity Tax Credit 
There's advanced refunding legislation introduced uh, that will restore uh, state and local government's ability to use advanced refunding to manage bond debt as well. And then additionally, uh, we're making progress on provisions, as Liz briefly mentioned, uh, in the Inflation Reduction Act uh, that will make institutions classified as instrumentalities and eligible for certain climate tax incentives. Uh, we've really been working that issue since uh, IRA passed, and we've met with Treasury uh, both Nakubo and our stakeholder partners and are hearing now that both the Treasury and IRS, IRS will be focusing uh, on the defining instrumentalities uh, so as to not exclude institutions from eligibility. I would call that promising news. So they're promising. They're, it's all promising news. We just have to get through the debt ceiling issue, appropriations, and then there, and there's number, a number of vehicles that any one of these pieces of legislation can move with. So. Great. And Liz, as we kind of close out, there's clearly a lot going on uh, as we move into the summer. So in addition to this podcast, where can folks go to keep up with these issues, plus the myriad of others that we're monitoring here at Nakubo? I'd love to just remind our listeners that uh, you, Brian, and Ashley and I, we get on the road and uh, we're occasionally providing Washington updates at local or regional meetings. Ashley was at Sakubo earlier this year. I attended Wakubo. Brian, you've recently been, I believe, both in um, more local Florida and Michigan uh, convenings of business officers. Uh, if you're not at those regional and local events, you can always find our updates in current and Kubo's weekly newsletter that should land in our members inbox on Mondays in the news section of our homepage, nakubo.org. And I particularly encourage you to uh, look for our column called Nakubo on Your Side, where we really try to include short, digestible nuggets of information for folks to understand what's happening in Washington or not and how it will impact the business of higher education. Thanks, Liz. All right, that's going to be about it here for this episode. Uh, thank you, Liz and Ashley. This was great. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners. We hope you obviously tell a friend or a colleague about the podcast and certainly find it wherever they listen to their podcasts. And we'll speak with you all soon on the next episode of Nakubo in Brief. Take care, everyone. <laughs>